0: completely stole my intro. So I have like a paragraph and a half here that I just don't have to read anymore. Um, no guys, we're talking about Moses in this new series tonight. And, and most importantly, kind of with Moses, feelings of inadequacy. Like you are not good enough. Like you cannot get done what you feel like you want to or need to get done. Maybe it's life goals. Maybe it's a job that you like really want or an internship, but you're like, they're never going to choose me. Like there's so many people out there who are way more qualified. Like, I can't do this. When we read through the Old Testament, especially the story of Moses, we see kind of these feelings of inadequacy. We see failure. We see like not this perfect person. Like if you've grown up in the church at all, maybe you think about Moses as like this guy in the Old Testament who he, he's kind of like the one that saved Israel. He, he did all these great things. But if you really read through Moses' story, it's not that way. I mean, it is that way, but there's so much more to it. Moses might be the second most well-known Bible character aside from only Jesus. So much so that he had a movie made about him. Have you guys ever seen the movie, The Prince of Egypt? Okay, that was a DreamWorks movie. The same people that made Shrek made a movie about Moses. Think about that for a second. And th- it was their second film. They were looking for a good story. And where did they turn to? The Bible. And then they went on and made track, and it actually got popular and stuff. But the, the Prince of Egypt is such a good movie, and it's, like, mostly true. Like, you know how Hollywood kind of does that. They take a true story, and then they're like, oh, and yeah, he went to the moon as well. And you're like, I don't think he did, but all right. The story of Moses. Starts in Exodus chapter 2, the second book of the Old Testament. It spans around 90 chapters across four books, and that's not including all of the laws and decrees that God gave to Moses to give to the Hebrew people. Okay. Story of Moses is riddled with story feelings of inadequacy and like self-sabotage. And I think that's something that like a lot of us can probably relate to is like self-sabotage, getting in your own way. You get in your head and sometimes it's really hard to like get out of your own way. And that's, that's kind of what we're looking at tonight. The story of Moses begins in Exodus chapter two. If you've got a Bible and you want um, to kind of turn to Exodus chapter two, um, I'm not going to read all 90 chapters tonight because you would hate me and you would probably stand up and leave while I'm in the middle of talking. So I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to read kind of bits and pieces of the story of Moses. But in Moses chapter two, we see that Moses is born to a Hebrew slave woman in Egypt. They're enslaved in Egypt. And there's a decree that goes out from Pharaoh. He's the king. And he says that every Hebrew son, God bless you, every Hebrew baby boy should be killed. And his mom's like, well, I'm not going to do that. So she puts him in a basket and floats him down the river. And he, uh, and Pharaoh's daughter actually finds Moses. And she's like, Oh, a Hebrew boy. Well, I'm going to find out where he belongs. So she calls his mom and she comes and gets him. And, and she actually lets Moses live when she shouldn't have. Like her dad was the one who said that Moses should die, but she lets him live. And then around the age 10, Moses is actually adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Okay. So he ends up living in the palace, growing up as part of the royal family. He knows he's Hebrew. He like, he knows kind of where he comes from, but he grows up with everything just being handed to him. Everything is given to him. Anything that he could ever want. And in Exodus chapter 2, we read a little bit later, there's a story where Moses is, is an adult at this point, and he sees one of his fellow Hebrews being kind of beaten by an Egyptian. So what does he do? He looks to his left. He looks to his right. There's nobody there. And he goes and he kills this Egyptian guy, which, like, that's not good. But, like, he kills this Egyptian... And then the next day, he sees two of his own people arguing and fighting. So Moses goes up to him and he's like, hey, what are you guys fighting about? Like, quit fighting. And they're like, dude, you killed somebody yesterday. You can't tell us to not fight. Like, you, you, don't, you don't have that authority. And he got scared and he thought that, that Pharaoh was going to kill him because he was mad. And he, he was mad. So Moses takes off. He dips out and he runs to this land called Midian. And Moses actually meets the chief's daughter, And he gets married and he's like, he's doing pretty well for himself. And he, he becomes a shepherd. And that's kind of where the story picks up tonight, um, where we're going to read in Exodus chapter three, Moses is a shepherd and he's taking care of his father-in-law's flock. He's kind of wandering around and like in the middle of nowhere, because that's what sheep tend to do. And all of a sudden this burning bush starts talking to Moses Right? Maybe you guys know the story. Maybe you've seen the movie, The Prince of Egypt. But this burning bush starts talking to Moses. And I can only imagine what's going through his mind at this point. It's like, huh? Why is this bush talking to me? And the bush is God. And he says, Moses, it is the Lord your God. He says, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. God invites Moses, this murderer who ran away, to come and spend time with him. God's talking to Moses. He says, Moses, this is holy ground. He says, Moses, I have heard the cry of the Hebrew people, of your people enslaved in Egypt. And I'm going to use you to come and save and rescue these people from their pain and affliction. And I can only imagine what's kind of going through Moses' head at this point. The last time he was in Egypt, he killed a guy. And then his own people turned on him. He was the guy who was supposed to, supposed to die as a baby, but instead got to grow up in the palace. And I can only imagine that to some extent, Moses is feeling a little bit of guilt and shame, maybe some remorse. Like, like he got what he didn't deserve, man. Like the Hebrew people are never going to listen to me because God says, Moses, you are the messenger. You are going to go and you're going to talk to these people. You are going to rally them. And then It says in Exodus chapter three, verse 18, God says, and they will listen to your voice and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we might sacrifice to the Lord, our God. Verse 19, though, it says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I, says God, will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. Moses, this guy who I'm sure feels guilty for killing somebody. He's a murderer. He ran and hid. He's a coward. There's all these feelings that I'm sure are coming back to him. And Moses is like, God, I can't do this. God, there is no, you got the wrong guy. You can't, you can't possibly think that I am the right guy to come and lead these people out of slavery. At this point, the, the Pharaoh who, who was Pharaoh has now died. And it's Moses' like, cousin, basically, who becomes the Pharaoh at this point. The guy that he had grown up with. They were almost like brothers. Anybody have a cousin like that? You're so tight that you're basically like siblings, I definitely had that when I was growing up. His his name was Matthew, um, and he lived down the street from me. And then he moved like forty five minutes away. And then we actually moved like five minutes away from where he moved, forty five minutes away. And like we grew up together. He made a lot of really really dumb decisions. You know what know what I did? Made a lot of really really dumb decisions. Some of you guys have heard of my, I I got into, I got into drugs. I got into, to selling drugs. I got into the party scene. I started making really, really just poor decisions. And it finally started to kind of catch up to me. I remember at one point, um, my, I I had my rights read to me by a police officer. Um, and that's a pretty sobering moment when you are like facing like everything you have ever done wrong, especially when you're still a minor and he's got to call your mom that's like, that's terrifying. And that's not Matthew's fault. Like we were, we were like, we were like brothers growing up and he got into some stuff and I just kind of followed him, but I made those decisions. And there was definitely a moment where it all kind of caught up to me. And I was like, man, there's no way, there is no way I'm good enough. And, and I started kind of getting involved with church and I was like, man, there's no way God would see me as perfect or as holy or as pure or, or even as good. I've made too many terrible decisions. I've hurt some people. I mean, I didn't kill anybody like Moses, but like some not great stuff. You're like, yeah, I hope you didn't kill somebody. You're up there talking to me right now. Um, no, we, we kind of get these feelings of inadequacy. We look at maybe what we're going through right now. Maybe what you're going through today, what you kind of dealt with, and you're like, man, I hope that tonight a college group, like something changes, and I hope that's true because, because whatever you're going through, sometimes we get into our own heads and we start experiencing guilt and shame. And what the enemy does, what the devil does with guilt and shame is he actually turns it on us and makes us the center of attention, but not in a positive light. It's not like, oh, everybody look at me it becomes like, oh man, I could never do this. I could never do it. Whatever I'm supposed to be doing, I can't do it. I couldn't possibly do it. I've done too many bad things. And our culture kind of teaches that idea that, that you get what's coming to you, right? It's karma. You, you do good, good, good will come. If you do bad, bad will come. And they're kind of ingraining that into us from a young age. And Moses, I'm sure kind of felt like, man, I could never do this thing that God is calling me to do. I could, never, I could never do what he's asking me to do. He's asking me to save a nation from slavery. There is no way. Moses says, God, you've got the wrong guy. But God makes a promise to Moses in that chapter that we just read. In verse 19, he said, but I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. He just told Moses, you were the voice they were going to listen to but he needs to be compelled by a mighty hand. He's not telling Moses, you've got to do this all on your own. In verse 20, he says, so I will stretch out my hand. God right here is saying, I'm going to be the one to do the thing that you think you have to do all on your own. And I'm sure we felt like that at some point. Like there is a mountain in front of us and we just can't climb it. Have you ever taken a test that you haven't studied for? Anybody in here? Like a test that like you like, fully intended, like, yeah, I'm going to prep for this. And then you like go hang out with your friends and then like a week or two passes. And then you're like, Oh, I had a test tomorrow. And you haven't like, you didn't even show up to class. You didn't take any notes. I did that in a chemistry class in my freshman year of college. Um, failed that by the way. Um, no, think about a test that like you haven't studied for. You didn't take notes. You didn't go to class. You don't even know the material like that chemistry class that I took. You'd probably be pretty nervous. You'd show up to the test and you'd start reading these questions, especially if it's chemistry, and you're like, these aren't even words. These are just like C-A plus 3-B plus, like, what is going on here? And it's super overwhelming and you get kind of nervous. And I definitely thought that, like, oh, man, like, there's no way I can do this. There's no way that I'm going to accomplish this. But now think for a second that the one who's giving you the test is the guy that wrote the book. And not only did he write the book, but he created the test. And it's not an open book test. It's an, I'm going to give you every single answer to this test. All you have to do is come and sit in the class with your pen and your paper and just write down what I tell you to do hopefully you'd feel a little bit more confident unless you think like your professor is just completely lying to you and he's trying to like pull a fast one and then you're actually gonna fail for like cheating or something. But in this moment, that's, that's, that's kind of the situation that's going on. God's saying, Moses, go and do this thing. Go and save your people, my people from slavery. And Moses says, God, I can't do it. And God says, I'm gonna be right there with you. I'm actually gonna be the one to do it. And Moses says, but God, I can't do it. I'm not capable. I'm inadequate. I, like, you, you don't know what I've done, God. Like Moses, just go. I'm going to be the one to do it. Moses says in, in Exodus chapter 4, he said, but they won't believe me, God. They won't believe that I talk to you. Especially not if I'm like, hey, I was in the desert and I found this bush that was on fire and it started talking to me. And it told me that I was going to come and I was going to save you guys. And they'd be like, uh, I don't think so. And God's like, Moses, you're not listening. So then God does this really cool thing where he kind of shows Moses a couple miracles. Moses is a shepherd and shepherds have staffs. If you didn't know that, he says, Moses, throw your staff on the ground. So Moses throws it on the ground. It turns into a snake and Moses gets scared. Duh. It's a magic snake. Like I don't like non-magic snakes. I definitely don't like magic snakes. Moses gets scared and God goes, grab it by the tail. Any of you guys in here do like snakes? You're not supposed to grab a snake by the tail, right? You grab it right behind the head so it can't turn around and bite you. Moses grabs it by the tail and his hand starts to wither, like die, right in front of him. And he's freaking out just like you would. And God says, Moses, stick it in your cloak and pull it back out. And he puts it in and he pulls it out and it's healed right before his eyes. And then the staff turns back, or the snake turns back into a staff. And God shows them these two miracles right here. And he said, if they don't believe the first, they'll believe the second. And if they don't believe that, I'm going to turn the Nile River into blood. And by one of these signs, by one of these experiences, they will know who I am. Guys, think for a second. Have you ever had an encounter, an experience with God? where God showed you something that you had no idea or he rocked your world. And maybe it was this massive moment or maybe it was this thing that you haven't ever told anybody about. But you can point back to that. God showed up to me in that space. God is real. God is is not only just real, but he is there with me. He is welcoming me into whatever he's doing. That's the story of Moses right here. He says, Moses, they're going to believe you. I'm going to be the one to show them who I am. And Moses says, God, I can't do it. God, I can't do it. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, it says, but Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses saying, God, you want me to go and speak in front of all these people? I can barely even talk one-on-one with a person. My first calm class in college, I had just started my education major to be a teacher. And uh, I had to go up and give my first speech. And I was like, man, I got this. I mean, I prepared, but I was like, I got this. And I walk up to the front of the class and I stand there with my cue cards in hand, my little note cards, my little index cards in this knee right here. Starts bouncing like this, and the entire class can see it. So I try and stabilize my knee like this, and my whole body starts convulsing, and I'm shaking, and I'm, I'm like reading my cue cards at like a first grade level. I'm like, the, uh, the, and my mouth gets super dry, you know how it like, and you, and I'm like, my, I'm, I'm sweating, and I'm like, I am gonna be the worst teacher ever. There is no way I can get up and speak in front of people. And little did I know at that point what God had in store for me and my future, right? I said, there's no way I'm going to be able to accomplish this. This is the most terrifying thing ever. Guys, I got my own way. The next speech, it got a little bit better. The next one, a little bit better. The next one after that was absolute trash. It was garbage. But after that, it got better. (laughs) Guys, I got my own head. And we do that all the time. Especially like at night, right as you're going to bed, your head hits the pillow and everything you didn't want to think about for the day, kind of like now you're thinking about. Moses got in his own way. He says, God, I can't do that. I'm not eloquent. And God responds to Moses when he says, I'm not eloquent in verse 11. He says, and the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God was the one who was going to do what he called Moses to do the entire time. He was never going to leave Moses all on his own. But Moses got in his head. He got in his own way. He said, God, I can't do that. There's no way I can do what you're calling me to do. And that happens to us. Sometimes God will tell us, go. And we say, but God. Or he'll say, go talk to them. And you're like, but God. Or he'll say, pursue this you're like, but, but, uh, but God, we get self-conscious. And more often than not, when you get self-conscious, that doesn't slow you down. It brings you to a screeching halt. You pause and you're like, there's no way. So we turn around and we miss out on opportunities that are right in front of us all the time. I remember at one point, I made a prayer to God. I said, God, I want to see opportunities for people that you want me to talk to. If you want me to talk to them, God, just put them in front of me. I remember like 45 minutes after that prayer, there was this opportunity. There was this guy who he was like checking out in the register in front of me. And the person checking him out was like, hey, you, it's like however much. I don't remember the exact dollars. I was really consumed with God at this moment like, so I don't remember how much it cost me. He's like, oh, I don't have enough. I was like, oh, I got you. And he's like, you don't even know me. I said, no, man, it's fine. It's totally fine. Let me, let me, let me do that. This is right after I said, God, like, show me opportunities to speak on your behalf. So I paid for him, and he was like, man, that was so kind of you. And I said, man, that's what God would want me to do. But then there were other opportunities not long after that where I see that, and I'm like, oh, man, that looks way intense. Like, I'm not, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not capable of doing that. That would be really uncomfortable. And we don't like to experience uncomfort. I mean, some of, some of us are kind of awkward, and we always experience discomfort. But, like, for the rest of us, like, oh, that's awkward. I don't want to do that. Or, man, like, that's, that's going to be, that's, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. So you just kind of, like, quick oh, like fade in the, into the darkness, Right. God said, Moses, I want you to go and bring these people out of slavery. I want you to be the way. God is trying to use Moses and Moses is coming up with every excuse he can. God, I'm not a good enough speaker. God, but what, what about the things that I've done? Like, He tries to hold himself back. And finally... Moses says, God, send literally anybody else. Any, somebody. There's a lot of people out there. Choose one of them. And God kind of starts to get irritated with Moses. The Bible says his, his anger started to burn a little bit. He's not like mad, but he's like irritated. He's frustrated with Moses. He says, fine, Moses. What about your brother, Aaron? We'll get him. He can speak. He's actually coming to find you right now, and you have no idea that that's the case. So Moses, I want you to leave, and I want you to go meet with him, and I will give you the words to speak to your brother, and he will go and he'll share them with the people that will become the nation of Israel. And that's what happens, guys. God, God had a plan the entire time. And he welcomed Moses into that plan, just like he welcomes you and I into what he's trying to do all the time. Whether he's trying to share the gospel with somebody or provide for their physical needs or just have compassion on people. Because guys, we live in a world where we are lacking compassion. If you're in this room and you show someone love and care and generosity, you look different than the rest of the world. God is welcoming us into that. But too often we say, but I can't. But God, what about, but how about, but but those things that I did, we, we get in our own way. We get in our own head. Even when Moses got in his own way and he said, God, I can't do that. Like, I can't. God said, fine, I'm going to use you still, because that's what he was inviting Moses into. He said, but you go, you go partner with the person who's got the voice who can bring the word, who can bring the good news. Guys, God makes a way. He did it with Moses right here. He did it with Jesus on the cross. Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made a way for you and I to not have to pay the penalty and the price for our own sin because we've got it. But instead, Jesus paid for that sin so that we could be welcomed into the kingdom of God. Where there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's there's none of the things that we have to deal with here on earth. Instead, we are made holy and perfect in the image of God through relationship with Jesus Christ. At this point, Moses didn't know who the Messiah was. The Messiah means savior. It means rescuer. It means the one who's coming to save. And he had no idea that what God was trying to do was to use him as a savior for his people because God will make a way every single time. Guys, what you're dealing with right now, you may not be experiencing shame or guilt or even inadequacy, but at some point you will. And you probably have before. Like you'll never be good enough. Like you'll never achieve whatever it is set before you, guys. And that's where God calls us to step out in faith, not just hoping that what that, that God can help us do whatever is impossible, even if we're like, "There's there's no way," but maybe He can. But in real faith, saying, "God, I know You can." Because you have made a promise to me before that you are going to take care of me, that you are always there, no matter what. If you guys were at church on Sunday, maybe you weren't because it was spring break, but if you were, Steve kind of shares this story of, of where Jesus performs this miracle, and his disciples, his followers, his closest friends are standing right there. And Jesus feeds all these people with just a tiny amount of food. And they were like, What is going on here? They had faith that Jesus could do what he said he was going to do, even though they had not yet experienced something like that. They questioned and there was some doubt, but they said, no, Jesus, we're still going to follow you because you're different. You offer something that nobody else does, and that is eternal life through faith in Jesus. Guys, tonight, if you learn anything from this little snippet of Moses' life, And Moses goes on to make a ton of other mistakes. Moses goes on to, he doesn't even accomplish his final goal, getting to the promised land with his people because he didn't trust God. But God used him to bring his people out of slavery, to bring them into salvation. And ultimately through all of that, bring Jesus to us. So if you learn something through this little snippet of Moses' life, Your inadequacy does not have to be what holds you back. If God is calling you into something, he's calling you to step out into faith, to bring him glory and to trust that if he has called you into it, he is going to call you through it. He's going to make a way. We don't have to trust in our own ability because if we trusted in our own ability for every single thing, we'd be miserable and exhausted. I've been there. Some of you guys have been there. Some of you last term, you were like, I just, I just got to do this. And it kicked your butt. Guys, the Lord that we serve, the Lord, the God that spoke to Moses through that burning bush has welcomed us into his family and he has made a promise to us. I will be there with you always. He doesn't give up because his power is Is infinite even when ours is limited. And we can have faith and trust in a God who is able to do the impossible. Let's pray.